understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hurley. You're listening to episode 16. If you are listening to every episode, if you're brand new, if you really like what you hear, if just my hope has been fulfilled that um, by listening to these episodes, you somehow feel empowered or motivated or just feel compelled to be transparent with your loved ones or your family or your friends and have real truthful, honest conversations about the stuck or the stranded phases that you're in or why you might feel on an island alone in your career, in your relationship, uh, in your friendships, in your religion, in your financial situation, whatever it may be, we all end up in a stuck phase feeling alone by ourselves on an island uh, with no direction. And if you are just now joining me, that is what this podcast is about, is to make sure that you all know that this is the phase I need you to embrace because they were not lying when they say uh, God will only give his battles to the strongest soldiers. You have been identified as someone that will not live an average life. And if you could just get past this stuck phase, there is something so ridiculously amazing where you will have an opportunity to live beyond average on the other side. I know it from experience. I know it from interviewing amazing people and every successful person I've ever looked up to has seen it as a rite of passage, has endured some crazy craziness in life and found the most amazing version of themselves on the other side. So in the short version, when you find yourself the most uncomfortable, God's just getting you ready for what is best to come. So today's episode, I don't have some amazing guest, um, any any of the the heartfelt, motivating, um, awesome influencers joining us today. I just uh, wanted to bring myself to the table and have a conversation with you guys about one of the recurring questions I keep getting. I've been asked a lot and often about finding your purpose or finding your passion or how do you stay motivated uh, to pursue your passion when after years and years and years you can't find it and listen. I get it because the opposite of that would be working and living under circumstances that are just work just a job, just a situation. I couldn't, I mean, can you fathom how many, well, 
like they say, we spend 40 to 60 hours a week, more time during the week at our jobs than we do anywhere else. And I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that situation for the people that are unhappy. I just couldn't. Um, so even though some people say it is, it is um, over-exaggerated and it's not that big of a deal, I don't know what life looks out looks like without you living your purpose or your passion. Maybe temporarily, because you got to take a road to get there. But I couldn't fathom it for a second, and that's why I know why all these people are asking me this. Um, because part of being in that stranded phase might be, what is my passion? What is my purpose? What's going on here? Why am I in a job I don't like? You know, what is my career supposed to be? I'm I'm confused and the older we get, the more unhappy we feel when we don't fulfill those needs. Um, I don't care what anyone says. I believe 99% of people's goal in life, maybe even subconsciously, is to live a purpose, purposeful life. And that that's where you'll find happiness. So I really wanted to focus on this episode um, perp- on purpose versus passion are they two different things what are they how do i find them and then what and then what so i wanted to start out um with a little story about myself when i was a kid i've told i've mentioned before but i was an only child i was not the person that you see on the disney movies I didn't have any goals. And of course at 10, that's it's not a big deal. I know some of us, we see um, kids that want to be doctors and lawyers and veterinarians, um, firefighters and police officers or uh, go to the moon or, you know, have these amazing, amazing goals in life um, growing up or just looking at people that they idolize. And I didn't have that. And I don't know why. I just didn't. Um, you know, my father was a mechanic my whole life, and my mother was normally uh, an office assistant or maybe sometimes accounts payable, um, you know, working working along. Um, she also worked in the medical field for a while in, like, medical records. And so no offense to my parents because they were two of the hardest working people I know and eventually went on to own a business. Um, they bought a car dealer not a car dealership but um like a garage a workshop um but neither one of them had careers that I idolized and so there wasn't really anything that I was fighting for and when um when I was about 14 I think I was at a local football game um a high school football game I was just old enough to go, go by myself, um, (laughs) and was sitting next to, um, a family and a little girl. And I was actually in a situation, uh, sitting on the bleachers where I could tell that I guess the little girl had to be like five and she was driving her family nuts. Like what can, can someone take me to get snacks? Can someone take me to go to the bathroom? Can someone take me downstairs and play with me? She wanted nothing to do with this football game, not for a second. 
girl was adorable, but she wasn't having it. So I remember just sitting there and I felt so bad um, for the family because they really wanted to watch their son, I guess, who was um, a family member play. And she just she wasn't with it. So I spoke up and I said, you know, excuse me, I'd, I'd be happy to take her to the bathroom. And they were like, you sure? And I was like, absolutely. So I got up with the young lady, took her to the bathroom. On the way down, we have a whole conversation. Um, Then uh, as we're walking back, she sees a group of kids, asks me if she can play with them. And I said, well, let's go ask your family. So we go ask her family. And they're like, oh, no, you know, no one's going to watch her. And I said, oh, well, it's fine. I'll, you know, I can watch the game from the fence and I'll watch her. And they were like, you sure? I said, absolutely. So I go downstairs. I watch her play with uh, some of the younger kids and... This is going to sound so childish, but um, they made me so happy. They were, the kids were just hilarious. Like they were, you know, five to eight years old. There were probably five of them and they were hilarious and they were so happy. And that's what I love about kids is they're so um, forgiving and genuine and honest, even when it is ridiculous and fearless. They're so fearless and even at 14, I must have seen that because it was, it just brought so much joy to me. And, you know, then I'm now I've got five kids and I'm walking them to the bathroom and to get snacks and to their parents. And, um, I had a ball and I tell you this story because it became a common theme. It became a theme from the age of 14 until the minutes I graduated high school, uh, four years later, Every single Friday night, people literally dropped their kids off to me. (laughs) I became like the football game babysitter. There would be 20, 30 kids in a field. Um, They knew to come to me. They knew what to bring. They knew to bring money if they wanted snacks. Uh, They knew to ask me if they wanted to go anywhere. And I watched all these kids and I got to know all these kids personally and their families and their parents and their brothers and sisters and uncles and cousins. And oh my God, looking back on it, I'm just smiling from ear to ear. Somebody's going to listen to this and be like, you should open a daycare. No, I should not. I would never. It's, I really always loved working with like, um, you know, fourth, fifth grade, even middle school age students, um, I just loved it. They made me so happy. And um, in between time, I had met my mentor and started working after school programs with her. And still, as much as I love this, I would have never considered it um, my passion at this point, because I don't I think when you're 16 years old, you don't you don't necessarily know what you're passionate about. And um I'll tell you when I realized this was something I was truly passionate about. Even though I was doing it every afternoon from two to six, getting paid for it and doing it every Friday night by choice. Um, there were two things that occurred uh, over a year's time that really, really set me up to realize that this was my passion. One of which, um, this is a silly story. One was, in the midst of all this, I still have drama, right? I'm a 16-year-old female in high school. Of course, I have drama. I'm not too bad looking either. So uh, I've got boy drama and girl drama and all the above. And some of my boy drama ended up resulting in um, an almost fight. 
And so all these girls ganged up somewhere after a football game to argue with me and to uh, get ready to fight me. And as it's, um, as they're preparing for this and I pull up, I've got two kids with me that I have to take home that I committed to the parents. I would bring them home. And as I get out of the car now, I guess I was mad enough to do this with the kids in the car anyway, or maybe at least confront her because it was the topic of discussion for everyone. I confronted her and she picked up her cell phone and called someone and said, well, I was going to fight her. I was going to fight Jessica, but she's got, she's got, um, some kids in the car. You know, she always got these damn kids with her. Um, or something like she don't know how to be away from those damn kids. And I know at the time it's very clear to me that that was supposed to be an insult. Like I was a child or something, but it was like in that moment that I was like, wow, I do really always have some kids with me, you know, and I'm proud of that. I I love these kids. Like they mean more to me than, you know, it's it's people like y'all putting, putting me through serious drama. And then these kids, like, they're so loving and forgiving and supportive. Um, you know, and it was so funny. They didn't even want me to get out of the car that night because <laughs> they knew what was going to happen. They were begging me to stay in the car. <laughs> so then, then I knew this was something serious. The other reason why I knew this was something serious was uh, I was working at the after school program that I had already uh, gotten a job with my mentor and it was in a, a little bit of a, I guess you could call it like a rough area. And the kids would walk home from school every day and they would, there would be 20 to 30 kids walking home from school. If you've ever like seen like a middle school let out, it's like a, um, it's definitely like a full street for like a good 30 minutes. And so they would walk by my center every single day and, um, they would fight often. <laughs> And so one day my kids came running inside my elementary kids and told me that there was a group of girls fighting outside just to let me know. So I got everybody inside and I walked outside and it was just like five beautiful girls. And I was like, oh my God, what is going on? This is so stupid. So I yanked them all apart, threw them on a bench. And at this point I'm only seven. Nah, I might've just turned 18. Um, they say to me, you know, they're all mad and pissed off and they want to leave. And one of them, like with her hair all over the place, looks up at me and goes, wait a minute. Didn't you used to go to the high school? Weren't you on a step team? And I was like, yeah, because I was on the step team in high school. And she said, oh, well, can you teach me a step? Now, in the middle of this, I'm in the middle of lecturing them, telling them how stupid they are, how they're ladies and they need to be more ladylike and get their life together. So I'm pissed. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. Come back tomorrow. Sure. And I keep talking. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, can you teach it to me right now? And I'm like, floored. I'm like, what? And she's like, can you please just teach it to me right now? All the girls that she just fought are still sitting here. Everybody's looking at me crazy. And I said you really want me to teach you a step? And she said, yeah. I said, okay, you apologize to everybody under this pavilion. I'll teach you a step. She says, okay. So she walks around and apologizes to all the other girls. 
stands right next to me and she's ready to go. So I'm like, all right, here we go. So I start teaching her and the rest of the girls start filing in one by one. They just fought now. And they're filing in one by one to learn how to do this step. We stayed under that pavilion for three hours. They had to, by the end of it, they were friends and they wanted to come up with a group name because they were going to go back to school and step away, just step their lives away. Um, And they came back every day after that for two years. To the point where I had to hold tryouts and uh, we had a community step group that that was truly when I knew I had a passion for this stuff. And this is going to sound ridiculous, but um, it was almost like I it was almost like the better, the better. <laughs> you want to fight everybody? You, you got bad grades like I found something that you want to do that you could be passionate about the better, the better. Cause I can help you, you know, by dangling this carrot in front of you, I can help you cause I'll put my foot in you. Um, and when I say that, I mean all the time in the world, because when you work with kids and you choose to mentor somebody, it is not a nine to five. It is a sun up to sundown and then some. So I knew when I put my foot into these girls, I could, I could help them and boys. So, um, that's when I knew that this was something I was truly, truly going to be passionate about. So I want to clarify something about passion and please be informed that I'm not giving you book definitions and I could be totally wrong. I'm giving you my personal opinion, but to me, to me, what you're passionate about is what makes your heart skip a beat or flutter really fast. I know it's different for some. For me, my heart gets to racing when I'm doing something I'm passionate about. Something something you're passionate about will make you uber happy and excited like when you travel or you know when you uh get your first camera because you love photography. Passion is something that you would do by choice without, you know, ever getting paid for it for you and not for anyone else. That's to me, that's passion, but purpose, purpose is different. This is the difference. Purpose is the reason why you are put on this earth. Purpose. Purpose is the way that you choose to help, give, or serve people. Purpose is the type of stuff you lose sleep over. Purpose is something that when you do it, you feel like you're getting away with murder because you're like, I'm getting paid for this. Purpose is going to be something that when you do it, you know, it's the skill. It's the gift 
that God gave you, you're just going to know it. And sometimes I feel like with purpose, we have to take a step back. And, um, and even though I said, you know, it's, it's when you help give or serve someone, people need to know that you do not have to work for a nonprofit to be living a purpose-driven life. Because people come to me all the time. Because I, I also work for a huge nonprofit still. And that's something that'll always be hard for me to give up, no matter how busy I am. Because um, it's just something I love. But people will always come to me and say, you know, I've been a banker for 13 years. And I I have to, I'm considering quitting my job and taking a $30,000 pay cut because I need to live a, a more purposeful life. And I get it. I totally get it. There's no reason on planet Earth for you to stay in a job that you're miserable in. But you don't have to niche it down either. I thought for 10 years of my life that my purpose was to help at-risk kids between the ages of 16 and 24 get jobs and get out of their mess because I always felt like they were in the negative. You know, they started at, you know, we start at five, they start at negative 10. But what I've realized recently is I can back that out a little because I get the same heart flutter. I get, I lose sleep at night over helping people get out of their mess. So I got a chance to expand my audience a little bit, which just expands my impact, which I'm not mad about. But I tell you that to to say this, you could have purpose in being the best restaurant manager ever and training your coworkers to level up. You know, you could be the best photographer ever. And even though photography might be your passion, your actual purpose might be to make families happy, to provide them with a service, whatever it may be, to put a smile on their face and to make memories. And for me, when you're searching and hunting for a career, because that's what I keep getting asked also, is how did you find your career? How do I find my career? If you're lucky and you do this thing right, your career is going to be where your passion meets your purpose. And when you when you find your purpose, when it's clear cuz it'll be oh so clear because it's a gift. Date it. Like date it. <laughs> because people will identify something that they're passionate about and try to marry that thing. Like and then wonder why nothing has come of it. Just like anything, you've got to get good at it. You've got to know the ins and outs. In order for you to fulfill your full purpose, do you think, do you really think God gave you a gift for you to figure it out tomorrow and finish it by the end of the week? He wants you to live your whole life through this thing being innovative and creative and making the biggest impact you could possibly make with your gift.
living in your purpose, whatever he has planned for you. So date it. And when I say date it, just be patient with your purpose. Slow down and expect for it to get messy and to get frustrated because it's just like your stuck phase, right? The mess and the frustration is his intent for you to grow. I'll share another quick story with you. I have been working with kids since I was 14, like I mentioned, but I didn't get start getting paid until I was about 16. That has been my entire career. That's what I ended up going to college for. When I found out that you could go to college for this, I was, I was blown away. I jumped on board so quick. I go to school for this degree in recreation and leisure services administration. Basically, all it means is that I want to work for rec departments and run and create youth programs. By 23, there's seven, eight years of experience under my belt. I've been doing this forever. I've worked in three different cities, maybe four. I think at that, yeah, at that point I had run youth programs in St. Augustine, Tallahassee, Orlando, and Sarasota. And I was getting beat. And so here's, here's the crossroad for a lot of people when we discover our purpose and why I'm telling you to date it. The crossroad is this. You will get exhausted. You will get beat down and you will get worn out. That does not mean that these are signs for you to give up. This might be your test. If it's something you truly, truly love, this might be your test. This might be your test to prove that this is not a game for you. And this is something serious that was really meant for you to continue to grow in and serve. So I'm in Sarasota. I'm on my fourth city, year eight, seven, eight. And I'm running this or working in this after school youth program. I started this, I think, I think I called it um, pathways to college or pathways to success. I think with, um, junior and senior level high school students at the local high school where we were exposing, uh, I was exposing them to college through different ways. And, uh, we were doing like a glow in the dark kickball night, which is something I got from my mentor or dodgeball, not kickball. That would have been awful. Uh, dodgeball, you know, I'm, I'm spending my waking hours with these kids, which is what I truly love. And, um, you know, giving them rides home the whole nine. And, um, I think I was making like $15 an hour and they had posted a job and I applied for it and it was going to be making a little bit more money. It was going to be a higher position. I'd been there a while. I'd been busted my butt and I applied and I didn't get the job. And I remember walking outside and calling my mentor and saying like, I just felt like this was the defining moment for me. This was the sign that this Shit, And I'm only saying that because I'm emphasizing how I felt at that moment because I specifically remember this shit is not for me anymore. I'm driving kids home. I'm spending all this time with them. Half of them aren't even willing to change. They're not ready. You know, I'm doing 40 different jobs. 
And you mean to tell me I can't have that job and I can't have a pay increase. And this is crap. I know I'm the best at it. This is crap. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm about to go get like a sales job. And my mentor said to me something that I will forever hold dear to me. And it is the simplest thing you will ever hear. She said, listen, if this is what you're truly passionate about, if you, if you feel like you're living in your purpose, you keep doing it. You keep working like you keep living like you'll never work a day in your life. And eventually, I promise you'll be compensated for it. And I was like, okay, what? So keep slaving my life away and eventually someone will notice what I'm doing. All right. Sure. And so I disobeyed all orders and I left. I think I gave it a couple more months and I moved away, moved uh, to Tampa, which is close about an hour away and got the first job I could find, which was a for-profit college where I was selling, basically selling admission, like calling people and getting them to apply to the school. And so I was happy because I was making more money, way more money. And I was able to move to a much cooler city. And I was happy for about three months. And then when I realized that every night when I came home, I was miserable and I felt defeated. And every morning when I woke up, I was not excited. I wanted nothing to do with this work environment or what I was doing. And the lack of purpose was in the negative. (laughs) I mean, yeah, living a purposeful life was in the negative. I was like, what the hell did I do? What did I do? I've made the biggest mistake of my life. How do I get back? And I was scrambling and so desperate at that point. I was ready to move back to Sarasota and take my old job. I was like anything to get me back with these kids. You know, I I was doing something that I loved and I was getting money for it. Maybe I wasn't getting the most money, but I loved my job. Now I'm getting paid money to do something that like from the second I clock in and park in the parking lot to the second I leave, I'm flipping miserable. This can't be life. And, but you know what, when you have a gift and you have a purpose, um, God will always find a way he'll lay the, he will uh, lay the path. So I applied for a few jobs, one that I didn't even know what it meant. And when they called me back, they explained the job to me and said that I would be helping kids get jobs. And I was like, sign me up now. And they were like, well, you know, based on your salary requirements, we're going to, you know, we can't pay you that much. I was like, it does not matter. I'm out. And I went into my boss's office to let him know I was putting my two weeks in and that I was going to be taking another job. And he called me in there first. And I was like, oh God, he's, he knows I'm about to quit. And So I went in there and he was calling me to let me know he was going to give me a raise based on my sales performance. And I was going in there to let him know I was quitting. And he offered me all the money he could think of to stay. And I I couldn't for a second even consider it. Because I know for some of you listening, this might be unheard of or hard for you to ever agree with. But I 
couldn't take money over pure happiness ever again to save my life. When you find out what your intent, what what your intent for this world is, what your impact is supposed to look like, when you find something that you can do day in and day out, and maybe, you know, maybe 10% of it sucks, maybe 20% of it sucks, but if 80% of it is amazing and you think about it when you go to sleep and you think about it when you wake up and you find yourself happy and, and living in joy most of the time, you'll never choose money over that because you won't, you couldn't pay somebody, you couldn't pay me enough in the world for me to fake the funk at a job or even a career. I couldn't. I already know what my purpose is. I've already been aligned. It's just a matter of staying on the path. So I um I ended up uh working in youth programs for another I would say 4 years. And well, 5 cuz 6 cuz I still do it and I still love it. Um I just learned that instead of getting worn out when you feel like you're busting at the seams or when you feel like you're bored or you feel like things are in question instead of giving up instead of thinking this is the end this is the end of my purpose this is the end of my passion it's time to find something new ask yourself this is there the possibility that I'm feeling this way because my impact isn't big enough could I do more? Could I help more? Is Am I supposed to be serving a different audience? And I'm not asking you to look at this from my perspective with kids, you know, um, and adults and some of the things that I do, like mentoring and help people get jobs. No, look at this in, in whatever, whatever you have found currently that makes you happy, that makes you feel like you are giving or serving or helping in the way that fulfills you the most. When I went back to working with youth, I did that for four years and I found myself at a crossroad again. I was taking kids home on a bus one day. I had like six kids in the car and I used to love taking them to and from uh, the school because it was just hilarious. Um, but there was something about one day when I was driving home and I had been doing it for almost been in almost that been in that role for almost two years. And it just clicked to me. I was like, did I go get a degree and put in all this hard work to be 24 years old and driving 17 year olds home from school? This is all my life is going to amount to. And then immediately, you know, I go to the worst. It's you know, we'll stop working with these kids and, you know, stop trying to live this life. Maybe it's time for a real job and a real passion. I mean, um, you know, a different purpose. That was, that was what I thought of instantly. And, but this time I slowed down. I really slowed down. And what I asked myself is, what's the part that you're the most upset about? What do you, what do you not like anymore? And 
I realized I still love the kids. I still love the transformation. I still love witnessing the transformation. I just don't like driving a bus. And I don't like not being in a seat where I can make decisions. And I don't like only helping 30 kids a year because that was the size of our class. I wasn't a teacher, by the way. I was like a program assistant to a um, a youth program. But I don't like impacting 30 kids. I want to help more. I've been doing this forever. I, I see what's needed. I see what could change. I, I know how to make adjustments to the budget. I know how to provide, provide the best service and help them get the best job and bring in the best people. I know how to do this stuff. And I want to impact more. I want to do more. I want to help more. And feeling like that is perfectly fine. It's just you're being pushed by the universe into the next step of your journey. So from that patience and that meditation, I realized that I just wanted to make a bigger impact. I felt like my time in that space was over, but I knew that I still loved what I did. And so I just prayed for a while about um, and talked about for a while about how I wanted to make a bigger impact, about how uh, I went to a training and I saw this woman speak and she was training all of us about getting youth to come out of their shell. And I thought to myself, that's that's the job I want. I want to learn. I want to be the person that trains the people that works with the kids because then I would I would impact hundreds of kids. And probably five months later, someone reached out to me on LinkedIn. Um, That turned into an interview, which turned into a job instantly. And now I work for a huge nonprofit that covers the Southeast and a couple different uh, onesie states also. And I get to train 40 to 50 staff that work at um, 20 some odd programs with 30 to 40 youth at each one. So now I'm training staff that impact the lives of kids that equal well into the thousands each year. You know, and it's not that I'm saying I'm training these staff to be mini me's. I only get to train them um, on uh, certain skilled areas, um, expert specific areas that I'm in. But if I, what I do, I get to take to other people to give to these kids. And those are the kids I truly care about. Then my impact is much larger um, than I ever saw it to be. So, you know, don't be upset for receiving what you prayed for because having a large impact is all I ever, ever wanted. And I always said that I would be beyond satisfied if, when I pass that someone at my service is able to say that I changed their life forever because that is my purpose. So sorry for the extra long stories, but I hope uh, in some of those examples that you guys were able to gain some clarity on finding your passion and finding your purpose and how your career might be where passion and purpose meet. So I wish you guys the best of luck. Thanks for loving me and joining me, even in my most vulnerable, honest, crazy moments like these. 
I flipping love you guys. Please make sure, please, please, please make sure to rate and review this podcast. That's what helps me, helps me uh, to keep going. And you can also join the Stranded Phase community on Facebook. Just look up facebook.com slash the Stranded Phase, where I'm giving away tons and tons of content to help you guys get out of that stuck phase, whatever it may be. It's a lot more engaging on a daily basis. So rate, review, uh, and check out my Facebook group, please. Guys, I love you. Thank you again. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.